Thanks for having me here today. Um, yeah, I was asked just to give my testimony and to be sure not to give a sermon or anything exegetical or expositional or anything like that, so very personal kind of sharing this morning. Um, before I begin, though, I, I kind of want a sense of my audience, to whom I'm speaking. So I, I'm wondering, just let me ask you a couple questions. Um, one is, how many of you are native Montanans? Raise your hand. Okay. About half of you, maybe. Um, how many of you are um, attending the university here in town, at least on a part-time basis, MSU? Anyone? No one taking classes from there? How many of you are uh, full-time students here? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay. How many of you were public schooled? How many of you were homeschooled? Okay. How many were private schooled? Okay. <laughs> Did some of you raise your hands on all those? You were all three? You were all three? So you're just going to heaven no matter what. You got it. <laughs> It's like, when you get to heaven, were you homeschooled, public school, private school? All of them. Come on in. Um, let's see. And then how many of you, how many of you are uh, intending to pursue some type of full-time vocational ministry down the road? Okay. How many of you just have no clue? No clue. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, well, let's see. I, boy, so 22 years ago, 22 years ago, um, I was sitting right, right where you're sitting, um, in a manner of speaking. I was sitting in chapel at Montana Bible College in November. Of course, it was a different building then. It was downtown. It was in the basement. And um, we, therefore, share something in common, don't we? A former Montana Bible College student. Um, that's, that's probably, I'm wondering if that's where our commonality ends, because... Um, I, I was the kind of I was probably a different kind of student than at least most of you are. Um, hopefully, um, if you were to ask, you know, I had I had teachers like uh, Pastor Brian Hughes and Pastor Barnhart and uh, Pastor Casebolt, and if you were to say, "Hey, we had uh, Pastor Jeff Hamling uh, share in chapel, and he said you were a former student." They, they wouldn't remember me. They have no idea who, who I am. I, I've, I've asked them, and they, they don't remember me. <laughs> and uh, I was the kind of student, I remember one time I was taking evangelism class from, and I was just a part-time student. I, I was there to appease my parents. They told me that if I went to Bible college, and only if I went to Bible college would they help me pay for any sort of um, post-high school education. So I enrolled here in one class and then was a full-time student at MSU. And so I remember going into Pastor Brian back then would, for his class, um, take the students into his office one by one and show them his grade, your, your grade for the semester. And I remember him bringing me in there and showing me, like, I got like an F or a D minus. And he was saying, I've never given anybody a grade this low in this class before. And that, that's all he said. And then I, and I left, walked out. Um, I didn't make any friends. Like, I wasn't friends with anyone in the Bible college. I didn't, um, didn't like associating myself with them. I always uh, kept to myself. I'd usually take the evening classes. And afterward, I would go out with my friends to the bars with my fake ID. And, uh, and yet, boy, looking back, I think about my experience here at Montana Bible College. And God, God just really used it. He did a major work in my heart through my time here. And I want to I share that with you. I want to kind of just share 
with you some themes in my life and then, and then talk about God's, God's goodness in my life. Um, you know, I, as Joel said, I'm a Montana boy. I was born in Shelby, moved to Lewistown. My folks got divorced there. We moved to Lincoln, Big Timber. I went to school in Bozeman, transferred to Billings, graduated from there, went into education. The church I was attending called me uh, to be their youth pastor. Then I went to seminary. Um, I was a youth pastor for almost 10 years, and then I've been here at Trinity Church for about eight years. So that's, that's kind of my story, but underneath that story, there, there are some dark themes. I'll share two of those themes with you, and then one really beam of light, God's grace. So kind of the dark themes of my story um, and my testimony are just one, like coming from a really uh, broken family, and then two, um, just my own broken, sinful, rebellious heart in response to that. So let, let me just tell you about my, my family. Um, as I said, when, I, when, I was, when we were living in Lewistown, I was in first grade. My parents got divorced. They were nominal Catholics. Didn't, I remember as a kid saying, hey, is that priest up there? Is that God, Mom? She's like, no. But she couldn't, she couldn't really tell me who God was, and so I didn't really know. But when my mom remarried, uh, my, when my mom remarried um, this man named Larry, who was my stepdad, he, um, he was a Christian, and he brought the Bible and church and um, camps, Camp Utmost, um, Good News Clubs, Awana, Sunday School, Family Devotions. Like just started, just started hearing all that stuff for the first time. And, um, and you know what? Like I just believed it. You know, I just believed, yeah, okay, I, yeah, there is a God and I don't want to go to hell and I, I believe in Jesus, and I prayed to accept him in my heart at a very young age, and even looking back, I see his hand on me. But boy, my relationship with God like, was characterized from that time forward for a long time by fear. Like I was so afraid of this God. Um, my parents would take me on church nights sometimes to watch church movies, and there were these old-time rapture movies called... Um, Thief in the Night and Days of Thunder and Mark of the Beast. And man, I was so scared every time I go in the house and no one was there. I knew the rapture happened and God had left me. (laughs) And I'd go to basketball games and they'd say, stick out your right hand for the mark. I'm like, no way. You're not my mark. And I would, I would even lay in bed at night, and I'd think, what time is it? And I'd have the covers over my head. I'd wake up, and I'd have my digital alarm clock. And I, would, I was so afraid of the mark of the beast and 666 that I thought, if I look at that digital clock and there's a six on there, I could go to hell. And I'd tie it under my covers, and, and then I'd peek. I just couldn't help it. I'd have to look. I'm like, okay, there's no six. I'm good for another day. And every single night, I'd go to bed, and I'd say, Lord Jesus, I know I prayed yesterday that you'd come into my heart, but I just, I don't know if I was sincere, and boy, I really mean it this time. I want you to know that. So every single night, I would pray this, and I pray it fervently and earnestly, because I was so afraid uh, to go to hell, and that, that was kind of my relationship with the Lord, and kind of, and kind of with that, my, my stepdad, when he, when he married my mom, I guess my mom got divorced in first grade, remarried when I was in second grade, he was for lack of better words to describe him, he was just a really messed up Christian, okay? So he married his high school sweetheart right out of college, right out of high school, and uh, began cheating on her after they had like three kids, three young kids, all under the age of six. 
And so she moved into her folks' house because things weren't going well. He was having an affair. And one night, coming home from a Bible study, going to her folks, his folks' house, like a semi, just hit him head on, killed them all. Killed his wife, killed his three kids, and his sister was in there too. This is my stepdad's family. Um, and like he just had that guilt weighing on him. If he wouldn't have been cheating on his wife, they wouldn't have taken that route. That semi wouldn't have hit them. They wouldn't be dead. It's my fault. And so he was just, he was really messed up. He married again. That didn't work out. And then finally, his third marriage, he married my mom. And he just had this attitude um, coming into to this family, which she was bringing in two kids. My mom already had three kids, kind of a Brady Bunch sort of deal. But he had, he had this attitude that, you know, I blew it and I'm going to do it right this time. And he had this, I'm going to do it right policy with a vengeance in our home. Um, it was very legalistic, and we were not going to be sinners, and we were going to follow God, and we were going to like it. And um, I just remember, you know, lots of rules, lots of discipline, lots of spankings. Um, I remember my stepbrother getting a um, Christmas present, a ping pong set, a really cheap one. And he, I mean, he, he broke the ping pong paddles on us, spanking us. That's how hard he spanked us, and that's how often he spanked us. I remember there were times on road trips, he'd just line us all up against the van, like all six kids, line up like criminals, you know, spread them, get up against the van. He'd just walk by and like spank us, spank us all. Um, I remember, yeah, I got grounded a lot, and I remember just him, he would just mock, um, you know, music and uh, movies and dancing and all of that. It was evil and stay away. And um, I, I was just very, very afraid. And I don't, I, so I have all those kinds of memories, but I don't have any memories of like hearing about grace. You know, I just didn't, he didn't talk about that. And so the, the, the effect that this had on our family was awful, okay? So none of us kids growing up want, like who, who wants to live in a home like that? And so my, you know, just to give you kind of a flavor of what it was like, um, you know, my, my older sister, she just right, out of, right, right after high school left, got pregnant, you know, out of wedlock, um, had a really tough marriage. My older stepbrother, he ran away from home and has been estranged from the family ever since. Um, my stepsister, who was the same age as I was, um, she ran away from home at age 15, ended up living with foster parents, and who was, one of which was my English teacher, and the other was the deputy county attorney in Big Timber, and she ended up having an affair with him and running off to Seattle with him. And I, can, I Googled it just last night, still, you know, I can read about it in the papers. And um, so it's just really, really messed up. None of us wanted to be there. I remember times coming home from school and the phone would ring and it'd be my mom, and she'd be like, hey, just calling to let you know that I left. I'm like, you left? Yeah, I can't, I can't take it anymore. And I remember just hurting because, like, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for leaving me, Mom. And that, that happened several times. But I think, I think in this brokenness, what, one of the things that affected me the most, looking back on it, was, like, my, my mom and stepdad, they remarried, and they, they had this son together. Like, they, they had their own, they, they were, yeah, there were stepkids and all that kind of stuff, but they had this this son. And then my dad and my stepmom, so on the other side of my family, they, they, you know, they, they had a marriage and they had a kid and they had a son. And I just, I just felt like 
um, whatever world I was in, like I was never the true son, it does, if that makes sense. Um, I just felt like I was always, you know, the, the second-class citizen or the, the you know, the step, the ugly stepkid, and I was never the true son. And even to this day, boy, I still struggle with it because, um, like, my stepdad and his son, they'll go on trips to Alaska and hunting, and, like, I don't get invited. Or on the other side of my family, you know, my dad will send me a card saying, happy anniversary, my son was this age, at this, da, da, da. He'll, talk, he'll send me an anniversary card, tell me all about his son. And here I am, I'm growing, and the gospel's worked out in my heart, but I'm still like, wow, that, that just kind of hurts. And so I just had this sense of, of never being a, a true son. And so, so that was kind of the brokenness in, in my world and in my home that I, that I grew up with. I didn't really know any better. That's kind of, that was kind of, that's just the way it was. I didn't know that there could be anything better than that. Um, but then, the other part of the equation is, boy, I just... I just responded really, um, really selfishly and rebelliously to all of that. And so, um, and so just kind of three things there. One is, like, I, I found my world in uh, sports, I found it in friends, and then I found it in girls. And so I, I pursued um, sports, like my whole, you know, grade school, high school career, poured everything I had into it. I was, you know, and I, and I was good at it because that's, that's like what I did. And so I was captain of the football team, all-state basketball, one of the best, you know, triple jumpers and 400 runners in the state and track and looking forward to, you know, having scholarships and stuff like that. That's what I did. And I love, you know what I loved? I loved it when um, I'd walk on the field or the court and my opponents really respected me. And I loved it that my team really respected me and loved me. And I loved it that fans would cheer for me. Because, um, oh, that maybe this is what it's like to, to, to be loved. This is what it's like to, to be a true son. And, and I loved it. And same thing with my friends. Like, I, I hung out with my friends. My, my, um, like, we lived 30, about 30 miles out of town, out in the country, in Big Timber. So I'd ride the school bus in, and uh, after school, I'd go to practice, and I didn't have a ride home. And so I'd wait for my, my older sister to get done working at a restaurant which was at 10.30 at night. And so then I'd go home with her and get home at 11. And this, these were school nights. And, and during that time, I just, like, I just hung out with my friends. And these were no good friends. Like, we didn't do anything that was good. <laughs> you know, we, we broke into places. We stole things. We vandalized. We were just bored and restless. And I, and I, didn't, I didn't care because, again, it was like, yeah, this is, this is what it's like to fit in. This is what it's like to belong. This is what it's like to be loved. I'm in. I was all, I was all about it. And then, and then girls. And so I, I um, boy, especially in high school, I just thought, man, if I, can, if I can pick a girl who is pretty and who is popular, and if I can get her to like me and to sleep with me, then, boy, then I'm somebody. Now, now again, I'm like, I know what it is to be loved. And so I just, I poured my heart and my life into those three things. And every night... I'd go to bed, and i put my head on the pillow, and God would prompt me through my conscience, and I'd think of him every single night. And I'd say, oh, yeah, you, God. I forgot about you today. Um, please, would you forgive me and change me? And um, then I'd get up again and live like a hellion the next day, and then I'd go to bed again that night and pray the exact same prayer. And, that, and that's... 
And that's the cycle that I was in when I came here to Montana Bible College. I was, I was here taking classes only to appease my parents, and I was just kind of in this cycle of doing what I wanted to do, um, kind of believing God, kind of fearful of him, wanting his forgiveness, not wanting to go to hell, but pretty much doing what I wanted to do. And so what I want to do just quickly is just share three things that God did in my life to kind of wake me up, to shine a beam of grace on me that kind of, that, that really ultimately changed me. And he's still changing me, but this is kind of where it started. And the, the first one is this. There, he led me to this tipping point where um, I was on the track team here at MSU and I had this girlfriend, and life was good. I was doing everything I wanted to do, and then I, I got ineligible because I, got a, I had no business taking an accounting class here. I thought I wanted to be an accountant, and I had never done homework in high school and, and could still get by with pretty good grades. And I, I got here, and I thought I didn't have to do homework, and it rocked my world. I found out you've got to study. You've got to study for a four-credit accounting class, and I, and I didn't know that. And so uh, I, I became ineligible. And, and at that time, that was my whole world. And my girlfriend broke up with me. And it's like, oh. And I, I just remember going home on Christmas break and um, being in the spare bedroom and just really, for one of the first time, just really looking at my life saying, Lord, where are, what am I doing? Where, okay, I've taken this where I wanted to take it. It's going nowhere. And I've been holding on to it, Lord. And okay, here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm just going to give it to you. I want you to take my whole life. I'm not going to hold on any longer, and I want to, um, and I want to live in a way that's really following you. And boy, I don't, looking back, I don't know if that was my conversion moment. I don't know what it was, but I even said, okay, I'm going to go full-time to Montana Bible College as a full-time student, and let's just see what happens. And let me tell you something. That, that, did, um, that did two things for me just being here during that semester where I said, okay, I'm in. I'm in, I'm in, full-time, let's do it, Lord. Um, one, of the, one of the things that it did was I just, like, was, I was immersed in God's Word. Like, I just, I just started reading God's Word, and you know what? I loved it. I loved it. And I loved the books that we were getting to read here. Just loved the books. And so I lived over at the Sherwood Apartments with three other guys, absolute pagans, and we, they, you know, I'd always go out partying with them, everything else. And on Friday night, they'd say, come on, Jeff, let's go. And I'd say, no, I'm just going to stay here. And I'd like sit there and read my Bible and my books. And they would look at me and say, Jeff, we've seen this before. We've seen guys who go off to some Christian camp and they get all excited and it lasts, you know, maybe a week, maybe a month, but it's not going to last with you. They told me that. And I remember they'd leave, and you know what? I didn't feel lonely. I, I just, God was just soaking me in his word and in good books. And in Romans 10, it says, faith comes through hearing the message, hearing the message of Christ. And that's what God was doing. He was, he was sharing Christ with me, showing me the beauty of Christ for perhaps the first time in my life, just through the scriptures and good books. And the, the teachers here just... Um, actually became some of my heroes, even though they don't remember me. <laughs> and uh, I was just, I was really influenced, really influenced by it. So thank you, Montana Bible College, from Mr. Anonymous. <laughs> um, number, number, uh, number two, this is what God did in my life. Number two is he, one of the books that he introduced me to, which became a lifelong journey with this 
individual was the works of John Piper, okay? Now, uh, when, I, when I was here, actually, at Montana Bible College, we were supposed to read Desiring God, and I didn't. And so it was a couple years later when I picked it up, and I was riveted by it. I was riveted. Let me show you how much I was riveted by John Piper. On my desk, in my office, this is what I keep on my desk. Do you know who that is standing next to me? That is John Piper. Now, if you ask him if he knows who I am, he'd... He doesn't know who I am either because this was just taken at a conference, you know, and I got my picture taken with him. But, like, I love that man. Like, I immersed myself. I read all of his books, and I, I this was back when you got sermons on tape. They would be mailed to me, and I'd drive around. I wouldn't listen to the radio. I'd just listen to John Piper's sermons. And even when I was starting out as a pastor um, or as a youth pastor, I'd preach my practice sermons. I would even try to go like this. And if you've ever seen John Piper (laughs) preach, and he closes his eyes and he moves his and, and uh, nobody gets to do that except John Piper. And I remember my mentor saying, no, 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 you don't, don't close your eyes. Don't just put your arms down. Because I, and the reason I loved him so much was for the first time in my life, he just introduced me to this idea that God doesn't, he's not just asking you to obey him. This, this whole Christianity business isn't just about duty. Piper was really big on that. He says, God wants you to enjoy him. In fact, in fact, Go ahead and take God and put him in the scale on this side and sin in the scale on this side. And God is infinitely more delightful and enjoyable than any of, anything you could possibly even fantasize when it comes to sin. And that was so freeing to me. It was so freeing. Um, and, it's, and my oldest son's middle name is Piper. I, I love that ministry and I've been impacted tremendously through that gospel message of grace. You know, Psalm 16 at the end says that eternal pleasures are at your right hand. And that is, I think, one of the most freeing and wonderful and beautiful truths that we can have as, as Christians. And just real quickly, the last thing that God did in my life to kind of shine a beam of light and grace on me was to really introduce me to the church. You see, when I was attending Montana Bible College, Um, I didn't even know what a church really was or what it was supposed to be. In fact, I thought doing what you're doing right now was good enough, was church enough. I thought just coming and hearing a speaker, that's okay. I put in my time and I was out of there and I hardly ever attended church services. Um, But when I I met my wife, she she, um, had grown up in the church. Her parents were church planters. This is all she had ever known. And she's really the one who introduced me to the church for the first time. And um, this was back in 1997. I started attending this church called Rocky Mountain Community Church in Billings. If you've ever heard of Ken Sandy, he goes there. Alfred Poyer is the pastor there. He's written books on peacemaking, things like that. But at any rate, why it was so wonderful for me and so influential to me was that, you know, we, I would just hear this Christ-centered preaching. Like every single time, I'd hear a sermon, it was about, yeah, you can't trust yourself, but you can trust Jesus. And look at the beauty of Jesus in this passage from Leviticus and Numbers and Exodus. And I just saw the glory of Christ come alive in all of the scriptures. But it wasn't only that, it was the community. I, um, I remember being in, in small groups and in some of our small groups, and we would host them and lead them eventually. But you know, sometimes the guys would break off and the gals would break off and we'd be in our guy group. And I remember this guy, his name's Taylor Lind, and he's this artist and a really good friend of mine. He's an artist in Helena now. But uh, he, would, he would just like lay it out there. He would just say, 
man, I, um, I looked at pornography this week and I masturbated and I really would like prayer for that. She's like, what? Christians talk like this? People go to church and share this kind of stuff? I mean, that was so freeing to me. It made me want to be a better man. It made me want to not keep secrets. It made me want to live in the open. It made me know that the church really is the place, that you want to find the kind of church where you can really be yourself, where you can really be a sinner, you can really be known, and yet you know you're going to be loved, that the people there are going to love you in spite of your sin, and they're going to help you in this, that we're in this together, this, this idea that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and these are the witnesses that surround me, and they care for me, and they love me no matter what. It was, it, was, um, it was amazing. And so, and so I, you know, I was asked to come and share my testimony because you know, I'm a pastor here in town, and I think by sharing that, it kind of gives you a flavor of what we're about as a church. And that's really it. We're, we're into discipleship and you know, preaching and, and all that kind of thing. But really, you know, I think that Trinity Church, it's a place where people who are really broken, who are really hurting, who really want to be honest about their sin and grow together and hear the gospel and this idea that, yeah, God is a God who wants us to delight in him and who loves us and where we're we're true daughters and true sons. Let me just close by reading this, um, and then I I know i got to let you out. You know, I told you I'd always kind of searched for being a true son, and that, that was the gospel that was freeing to me as well, this idea that because Jesus died, that God looks at me and he says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Um, I finally found it. Listen to this line from Be Thou My Vision. Every time I sing it in church, I can't probably help but maybe get only a little teary-eyed. It says, Be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. I ever with thee and thou with me, Lord. Now listen to this. Thou my great father, I, thy true son, thou in me dwelling, and I with thee one. Mm, isn't that beautiful? The gospel comes home. Let me pray for us, and then you'll be dismissed. Oh, Father in heaven, we just are so thankful that we get to call you that, our Father, that we are your true children because of Jesus, daughters, sons, whom you delight in, and you call us to delight in you. Thanks for what you're doing in each of these students' lives, Father. I pray that, I know each of them has a story here as they sit in these chairs at Montana Bible College, and I pray, I pray, Lord, that you just continue to work out your grace in their lives and really use them for the building of your kingdom. We pray this in Christ's name.